Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. After its first two launch attempts were scrubbed, NASA's Artemis One mission finally lifted off from Kennedy Space Center's Pad 39B in the early hours of November 16, 2022. The last time that NASA astronauts walked on the lunar surface was nearly half a century ago. Those Apollo missions to the moon were named after the Greek god of the sun. In a way, it makes far more sense for these new moon missions to be named after Artemis, Greek goddess of the moon and Apollo's twin sister. The missions will also land the first woman and the first person of color on the moon. Artemis 1 is essentially an uncrewed rehearsal for a crewed flight that will journey to the moon and land somewhere in its southern polar region. It's the first integrated test of the Orion spacecraft, the Space Launch System, or SLS, rocket, and the ground systems at Kennedy. The SLS is the most powerful rocket ever developed, and the Orion spacecraft has ventured farther than any vehicle designed for humans has ever flown traveling 280,000 miles, that's 450,000 kilometers from Earth, to a location beyond the far side of the moon. As of this recording, it's on its way home, scheduled to return to Earth on Sunday, December 11th. It will have been in space for 42 days, longer than any human spacecraft that hasn't been docked to a space station. 
After coming within about 80 miles, or 130 kilometers, of the moon's surface, and traveling a total of 1.3 million miles, that's 2.1 million kilometers, Artemis 1's Orion spacecraft will have a targeted splashdown in the Pacific Ocean somewhere off the coast of San Diego. One of the main objectives is to test Orion's heat shield when it re-enters Earth's atmosphere. But this mission's goal is to demonstrate complete operational capabilities during all of its phases. For the article this episode is based on, HowStuffWorks spoke with Craig Hardgrove, an associate professor at Arizona State University's School of Earth and Space Exploration. He was born in 1981, making him too young to remember the last time that astronauts walked on the moon. He said, I'm hopeful that this is the start of, you know, a new future for people in space. Hardgrove has another reason to be excited about the mission. He's the principal investigator for the Luna HMAP CubeSat, uh, one of 10 different shoebox-sized miniature space probes that rode into space on Artemis I with the intention of being left in lunar orbit. Its science mission is to measure neutrons that are being leaked by the moon in an effort to identify how much water ice is there and where it's located around the moon's south pole. The Luna H map unfortunately encountered some propulsion problems during the trip, and we've yet to see how its mission will play out. But mapping those water deposits someday could provide NASA with the ingredients to make rocket fuel enabling a future in which spacecraft could be lighter and cheaper because they wouldn't have to haul fuel from Earth's surface. The ability to refuel at a lunar base could also enable NASA to venture farther and deeper into space than ever before. The Artemis I mission will perform other scientific research as well. Instead of human astronauts, the Orion spacecraft contains two mannequin-like devices that are designed to measure potential radiation exposure to astronauts, and particularly female astronauts, during the trip. That research is especially crucial because female bodies have greater sensitivity to the effects of space radiation, and nine of the 18 Artemis astronauts are women. The project is meant to gather data about which parts of our anatomy are most at risk from space radiation, and thus to help design future systems to protect space travelers. HowStuffWorks also spoke with Matt Siegler, a research scientist at Southern Methodist University and the Planetary Science Institute, who isn't involved in Artemis I, but has participated in research on other NASA missions. He explained, Like Apollo, before we strap our best and brightest astronauts to the top of a rocket, we need to test it. So this launch will carry no people, but it will carry exact copies of all the systems we will need when they do go, and instruments to make sure all is functioning as planned. Siegler is also excited about scientists having greater access to the moon, which he describes as, quote, a treasure trove of the history of the solar system, because things change so slowly there. After Artemis I, NASA will proceed ahead to Artemis II, possibly in the spring of 2024. That flight will be crewed by human astronauts, paving the way for Artemis III in 2025 at the earliest, which will include a piloted landing on the moon's surface. NASA has announced 13 potential landing spots on the moon near its south pole, each one containing multiple landing sites for Artemis III. All 13 will have areas with continuous access to sunlight during the time period that NASA plans for astronauts to be on the lunar surface. Sunlight is critical for long-term stays on the moon, because it's the source of power for solar cells, and because it keeps temperatures more steady. The Orion spacecraft's re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere will provide an important test of Artemis I's safety. 
it will enter the atmosphere at a speed of about 25,000 miles an hour, that's 40,000 kilometers an hour, and slow to about 1% of that speed as it descends. In the process, the friction will create temperatures of approximately 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit, or 2,800 degrees Celsius. After deploying its parachutes, the spacecraft will slow to less than 20 miles an hour, or 32 kilometers an hour, before a splashdown. And, in addition to the aforementioned mannequins, Artemis One has two additional passengers, stuffed toys of Snoopy wearing an orange NASA spaceflight suit, and Sean the Sheep representing the European Space Agency in a blue flight suit of his own. As Snoopy and Sean aren't merely going for a joyride, they have a job to do. They're zero-gravity indicators. When they start to float in the cabin, it means Artemis has reached the weightlessness of microgravity. Snoopy, of course, is the beagle from Peanuts, created by cartoonist Charles Schultz in 1950. If you're wondering why Snoopy, of all characters, he has experience— In 1969, the Apollo 10 crew nicknamed their module Snoopy because it snooped around the moon to check out the proposed landing site for the Apollo 11 mission. The command module was nicknamed Charlie Brown after the dog's cartoon owner. And a Snoopy toy did previously fly on the Columbia Space Shuttle in 1990. And this is not the only Snoopy space fact. Uh, There are also the fabric hoods that astronauts have long worn under their helmets. In the Apollo era, they had big pouches on both sides of the head to hold communications equipment. These were known as Snoopy caps because they looked like the Beagle's black ears. Uh, Luckily for future Artemis astronauts, communications have come a long way in the past half century, and the much smaller equipment no longer requires a bulky cap. Meanwhile, it is Sean's first time going to space, and the ESA has extensively documented his training process. Go ahead and Google Sean the Sheep ESA blog. It is so worthwhile. Sean is, of course, a protagonist of stop-motion cartoons created by Nick Park. About his inclusion in the mission, the ESA's Director for Human and Robotic Exploration, one David Parker, said in a press release, This is an exciting time for Sean and for us at ESA. We're woolly very happy that he's been selected for the mission, and we understand that, although it may be a small step for a human, it's a giant leap for lambkind. Today's episode is based on the articles Artemis One is Headed for the Moon, written by Patrick J. Kiger, and Snoopy and Sean the Sheep are Set for the Moon, written by Kristen Hall Geisler, both for HowStuffWorks.com. The Brain Stuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. Canva helps you get your point across simply and beautifully. 
It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work.